Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, you look good, you look good, you look good. It is Youth Sunday, Youth Takeover Part 2. Y'all can clap for that. Y'all can clap for that. I'm excited to be here. If, if I'm excited to be breathing this morning. I'm happy to have air in my lungs. That God would see it fit for me to speak his word. I thank God for our senior pastors, Pastor John and Pastor Kai. Can we give it up for them real quick? I heard Kai. Oh, there she is. It's like I heard Pastor Kai worshiping from somewhere. I was like, I didn't know where she was at. But thank you guys for just giving me this opportunity, not only to preach this morning, but to pastor and lead young people. So we're going to get straight into today's word. I don't like to beat around the bush when I preach. I'm one of those preachers that when I say I'm not going to be here long, I mean it. <laughs> so turn with me to Mark chapter 4. And we're going to start from verse 35. Have your way. Mark chapter 4, starting from verse 35. Some of you guys might be familiar with this story. If you're not, we're going to learn today. Jesus had been teaching parable after parable out on the seashore, preaching, having church, and something miraculous is getting ready to happen in Mark chapter 4. Verse 35, it says, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now I want you guys to put a pin there. It's one of the most important parts of this scripture. A lot of times it goes overlooked. Because for a lot of times in scripture, we look for the miracle to be the center point of the scripture. But sometimes we miss the point of the context of the scripture. Amen? He says, let us, somebody say, let us cross over to the other side. Let's say it one more time. Say, let us cross over to the other side. Good to see you. You're such a big boy now. Now then when they had left the multitude, this is the other people that, you know, Jesus was having church with, they took him along, this is Jesus, capital H Jesus, him along in the boat as he was. We recognize that we worship a savior that is 100% man and also 100% God. I want us to be clear about our theology. There are a lot of gospels going around that say that they believe in Jesus, they don't believe in the deity and the son of who he is. So it's important for us to recognize after a long day of preaching and teaching and having church, Jesus naturally was tired. In the boat as he was, and other little boats were with him. So there's other little boats that were following. Here's our point of conflict. And a great windstorm arose. Somebody say, uh-oh. uh-oh. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. What's Jesus doing sleep? He's supposed to be the savior of the world. He's supposed to be the Messiah. He's supposed to be one that delivers us all. And in the moment where we need him most, he sleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Don't you care that we're about to die? I forgot to add that a number of these disciples that were following Jesus were very experienced fishermen. They had been fishing on this boat or fishing in the sea over and over again. They knew the dangers of this storm. They knew that this type of storm takes lives. 
And yet in this moment, while they were with the Savior, in this moment where they're supposed to be with the Messiah of the world, they question him, do you not care that we're perishing? So Jesus gets up. He arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, somebody say peace, peace. be still. And the, cease, and the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Verse 41, it says, and they feared exceedingly. I'm going to keep it a buck with you guys this morning, okay? When I read this initially, I was like, they feared more? Like, you had more fear after Jesus fixed your problem? Like, you feared more? Like, we're going to get to that later. It says, they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? The title of today's message is, Where is my peace? Where is my peace? Now, I know a lot of you guys are saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and every day is a sunshiny day. I know everything goes easy. But I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've been trying to do things right, trying to follow God, reading your Bible, showing up to prayer, doing all the right things, and yet life still seems to be beating you up. Maybe you have the mindset that you entered into Christianity or entered into this walk with God and thought, man, things are supposed to be better. And just like these disciples that were in the storm, you might be asking God. You might not have the words to say, but you might be thinking, God, don't you care about me? What? If you're God and you're all powerful, why would you allow me to have this diagnosis of death? I was 19 years old when I got diagnosed with left ventricular non-compaction cardiomyopathy. It's a mouthful. It's been about 11 years now. It was a terrible time in my life. Yes, I, I knew who God was. I was following God. I was 19 years old. But, but that's why I admire my little cousin so much, him pursuing his career in football. I understand the love of the game and loving to be able to do what you want to do and love what you want to do. But in that moment, that diagnosis wrecked my life. I had it in my mindset that, well, as long as I follow God and do things that I feel like I want to do, then God will make everything happen, right? Everything should be good to go. Like, I am walking in the will of God, right, by doing what I want to do. But as soon as I got that diagnosis, as soon as I was given the same medication that my late grandfather, Thomas Butcher Sr., was taking, it felt like my life was taken away. Now, I can't equate a, a diagnosis to this real-life situation, but I kind of understand when they said, don't you care about us? Don't you care about what I'm going through? Why would you allow this to happen? I thought you were supposed to be good. I thought you were supposed to be all powerful. I thought you were supposed to be almighty. But let me share something with you guys. This is something that's a realization that I came to. Is I've read this passage over and over again. And during that time in my life, I, I couldn't find peace. And there are many, many more times where I couldn't find peace because I put my focus on the storm rather than the Savior. And the interesting part about it is this. I asked this question as I was reading the scripture. When God led me here, I kind of wondered, did the peace happen when he quieted the storm? Or did the peace happen when he said, let us cross over to the other side? Y'all right. ain't following me here. Jesus' word had already went forth. That is our assurance. Jesus' word had already went forth 
That's where our peace is. Now, some of you guys are looking at me like, that's not the kind of peace that I want, okay? I want storm-stopping kind of peace. And I'm not saying that God isn't capable, that he isn't all-powerful to stop the storm. Let us not forget that when God spoke, light came to be. Let us not forget that if it wasn't for God, he's one that sets the, sets the shores where they're at. If it wasn't for God, he sets everything designed. He hung the stars in the sky. He separated the ferment from the stuff. He said he made the land come out from the waters. That same God that created the heavens and the earth, that same God that has control over the storms, that same God that I've been talking about is the same God that you can find peace in. So it's deeper than just a miracle. Miracles have this place, but the miracle is only to remind us of who God is. We have assurance in his word. Isaiah 55 says that, that when, I, when, I, when I speak my word, it comes to pass. It does not return to me void. Then when God speaks, things happen. That when God says you're healed, you're healed. That when God says you've been set free from addiction, you've been set free from addiction. When God says that you are my son and you are my daughter, he means it. So it's important for us to recognize that this, like, look, yes, pray for the miracle. Yes, pray for the impossible to happen. But remember, God's word never comes back void. Don't you care that we're perishing? It's funny how Jesus like, all right, I, I can't imagine Jesus getting up and was just like, all right, watch this. He didn't say that he wove his hand and the wind stopped. He didn't say he clicked his heel three times and the wind stopped. He didn't say he did some kind of spell or lit some sage and the wind stopped. It says that he spoke to the wind and he spoke to the waves. It says that he said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Then we recognize that in God's word that he has authority. That God has the final say. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what diagnosis you've been given. I don't know what financial situation that you're in. But I know God as protector, as healer, as provider, as way maker, as everything. It comes with relationship. The disciples didn't just meet Jesus in this moment. They had been spending time with him. They've seen the miracles happen. They've seen him speak and things come to pass. But in this moment, the fear of the storm was greater than their fear of God. Wait a minute, JR. I thought for the last two or three weeks, Pastor John and Pastor Jenny have been talking about, you know, not having fear and not having this type of things. Let's break it down for just a little bit. It says in verse 40, no, if we can get that up there. But he said to them, there he goes saying again, why are you so fearful? Let's break this down a little bit. I'm not trying to appear to you guys to be like super preacher of the world, but if you look at the original language, the fearful that Jesus speaks about and the fear of fear that the disciples experienced after Jesus had spoke are two different fears. Okay, two different fears. The first fear in verse 40 where it says, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? Is delos. It's the type of fear that quite literally means to jump ship. That in the midst of the mission, in the midst of the journey, in the midst of me going where I'm supposed to be going, fear became so overwhelming that I was ready to quit and to jump ship. That in this moment, 
It's not that fear is not present. It is not that there isn't a very real life situation that threatens their livelihood, but they forgot that God's word reigns supreme even in the midst of the storm. So rather than fear, as we're going to get to, fear what the Lord says, they feared the situation. It was interesting. Me and my dad have a very close relationship. I have a really close relationship with my parents. And we were talking about some of his experiences with the spirit of fear. Talking about when I have these moments where I feel anxious, when I have these moments where, where, where I almost see like fear is physical and tangible. He's always in the corner of the room. And he's always in this corner. And it seems like the more I fear, the bigger that he gets. And, I, and it kind of made me think about it, not just preparing for my message, but it kind of shaped the way that I thought as he was explaining this thought to me. It's like, it's interesting how the enemy moves, right? It's like, he always operates in like this fake authority. Let, let, let's think about the temptation of Jesus, right? When the devil tried to tempt Jesus, he says, look, I have all this authority to give you what you want. And how did Jesus respond? With the word. Rather than him responding and giving in to fear, to this fake authority, he remembered who really had the authority. When the enemy tries to make you and forget that you are son and daughter of God, speak the word. When the enemy tries to give you something that you think that you need and you really just want it, speak the word and the truth over that thing. Is that it doesn't matter what the enemy gives, doesn't matter, matter how big the enemy gets, how much he, he thinks that he can threaten you, God has all power and authority and strength in his hands. We have the victory in Jesus. So it's important that in your storms of life, no matter how big they get, no matter how much the boat fills up, no matter how much is going on, that you don't give reverence to the storm, you give reverence to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 41, it says, uh, it says, uh, sorry, verse 40, it says, how is it that you have no faith? Now, faith in the Bible is like my favorite word. Not because I'm a Christian, because of what it breaks down to. Faith in the Greek is pistis, right? I didn't cuss. I didn't say a bad word, Grandma. Both grandmas are here. <laughs> didn't say a bad word. It's pistis. When you use this word, it doesn't just mean to have faith to trust in. It means to be convinced. Like, I'm convinced that this thing is true when I have faith in something. So Jesus asked him in this moment, after all that we've been through, after all the miracles that you've seen, after every time that I've spoken, things come to pass, you're still not convinced? After I've saved you, after, after I've healed your family member, after I've spared you from all these different things that you could have went through, you're still not convinced that I have the authority? So when they heard this, it says, and they feared exceedingly. Somebody say feared exceedingly. exceedingly. Now this fear is different. It's not day loss. Most times, more than not, when day loss is used, usually mostly negative, like jumping ship, like I said. This fear is phobos. Phobos. It can go either way. And this is where we can find assurance. And it says they feared exceedingly. They went from referencing the storm to referencing Jesus. As I'm going from fearing my situation, what it could do to me, and fearing the one that has all power and authority and control in his hands. It said, and they feared exceedingly, said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? It's coming to this realization. It's coming to this knowledge that this guy must be really who he says he is. Can you think back to the first time that you encountered Jesus? Christians, saints, can you think back to when you first 
experienced the presence of God, you might not have said the exact words, but you came to this realization, this must be real. I'm experiencing something that I've never experienced before. I've experienced this peace that I've never experienced before. I'm experiencing this wholeness that I've never experienced before. I've seen young people over and over again. that, That is the win for me in youth ministry, is when these teenagers come to a knowledge of who God is as a teenager. And the light bulb comes on, and they go, this truly must be the, this must be him. This must be what I've been looking for. Think back to when you first got saved. Think back to when you first experienced the presence of God. For some of you guys, you've been walking with God for a long time. You've gotten kind of used to the motions. You've gotten used to the miracles. You've gotten used to people falling out in church. And you've gotten used to all the, the rigmarole. Yeah, vocab word of the day. Rigmarole of church and all the things that go on week after week after week after day after day after day. And it becomes regular to you. Let's not forget who he is. That he is Jesus. The the, the gospel that we believe in is that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't by our own righteousness. It wasn't by what we could do. It wasn't by what we could say. But it's by Jesus and what he did on the cross and rising from the dead on our sake, for our sake. That we get to experience who he is. And as I come to a close, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what life storms have been brought your way. I don't know if it's sickness. I don't know if you've lost a job. I don't know if your marriage is in shambles. I don't know if your family is a wreck. I don't know if you have, maybe you're losing your your thought of who God is. But allow me to reintroduce to you who Jesus is. If we can all stand to our feet. I'm not up here trying to tell you that your crisis is not real. It's very real. That marriage that you prayed for that's falling apart, that's very real. You're working hours and hours and hours on your job and can't seem to make ends meet, that's very real. You've been doing everything that you can to keep your health up, stay healthy, and yet cancer comes knocking at the door heart conditions, kidneys failing. It's very real. But there's something else that we have an opportunity to access that's also very real, and that's Jesus Christ. This is not philosophy. This is not a thought talk. This is not me telling you how you can be a better person or how you can feel better when you're going through bad things. I believe that there is a God that will never leave us nor forsake us, that will be with us in the ship as we go through our storms. And if I can remind you of one more thing, just because you can't hear God and it seems like he's left you behind, it seems like he doesn't care about you, be reminded of his word. Be reminded that he loves you. Be reminded that you are his son and daughter. Be reminded that he calls you son. Be reminded that he calls you daughter. You know, there's one more thing. You guys saw my daughter hopping up and down. She was actually sitting up here on stage. I'm like, dude, what is she doing? But being, having a family of my own is one of the biggest joys in my life. I love my wife. I love my kids. But there are some teaching moments that I've gotten from having children. 
kids love to eat. Okay? They love to eat. I call them grazers. They be eating all day, just. There was a moment one day where I think it was either myself or my wife was cooking dinner. Obviously, you know, the house gets a little hotter. You can kind of smell the stuff in the air, the salt, the whatever, the garlic, the onion powder, whatever. And she's freaking out. Like, she's hangry. What are we going to eat? I'm so hungry. What are we going to eat, Dad? She calls me Dad. She's five. I'm like, bro, chill. What are we going to eat? And in that moment, I don't know, I feel like I have moments with God where it's almost like he gives me a wink. And parents, you know this, you want to say something out of frustration, like, go sit down. Or give him like a snack to hold him over. But in that moment, I, I truly believe it's the Holy Spirit, right? He told me to tell her, do you trust me? Lie to you now, I'm not making the story up for, for a preaching moment, okay? I looked at her and said, do you trust me? And I saw her look go, yes, daddy, I trust you. She left and I played, everything was calm. I was like, what was that? <laughs> and God was like, I just wanted to give you a glimpse of how it feels to be a father. John, do you trust me? I know it, it feels very real, but do you trust me? Your only response this morning should be, yes, God, I trust you. I believe that deliverance, I believe that people are set free right here, not at this stage, but this altar. So if you're here this morning saying, God, I trust you, I want you to come down to the altar. Whether it be your first time or 50th time or whatever time, there are moments in life where we go through storms. We need to be reminded that, God, I trust you. That's real. The moment that you come to the end of yourself is where God can begin. It says that his strength is made perfect in your weakness. I don't know what strength or kind of facade you're trying to keep up. But we need him. He's a good father. Closer, come closer, come closer, come closer, come closer, come closer. Either y'all can pay attention to her breakthrough or focus on yours. God, I thank you. I thank you for being a good father. That God, we see the turmoil of the storm, God, but today we choose. This morning we choose to say that we trust you. That we lay down our life for you, God. That we know that you have authority, that you will not forsake us, that you will not leave us, no matter how much the outside looks, no matter how big the waves get, God, we trust you.
So today we are your sons and daughters in need of a father's help. In need of a father's touch. In need of a father's forgiveness. God, I pray that you can restore us like only you can. That you renew our minds like only you can. That you make us whole like only you can, God. So God, as we stand here with our arms raised high, with renewed, God, we surrender our lives to you. We trust you. That is not words from our lips, but that is our heart's desire. God, we trust you. We don't just worship God with a form of godliness or worship from a place that we practice, Lord God. We worship you from spirit and in truth. You are the authority in our lives. You are the authority over the diagnosis, God. You are the authority, Lord God, when we need provision. God, I pray for breakthrough. In Jesus' name, amen. One moment, one moment, one moment. We're going to take a couple moments here at the altar.